Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. All right, well, good morning. I'm glad y'all could be here. Um, I'm a little uh, uh, excited this morning. I'm kind of jacked up. I had some coffee, feeling ready to go. Um, I wanted to, just by a show of hands, how many of you actually know who I am? Like, have met me before, okay? All right, good cross-section of people, all right. Um, Well, for those of you that don't know, uh, my name's Doug, as Rick said, and uh, I have a beautiful wife named Christy, who's there in the front row, love her. Been married five years, and I have a son who is about 15 months old, named Dougie the Third. Yeah. So he's a cool little dude. And new information for all of y'all. Uh, we were actually expecting our second uh, due December 15th. So very exciting. Growing the family. Uh, it's good stuff. So here's the deal. When I moved here, uh, it was the year 2009. Okay? And one of my first jobs here was at Waccamaw Hospital. Now, why that's important is because if it weren't for that job, I actually wouldn't be standing here today. Uh, originally, I, I went into the hospital to go into the uh, security department. As you could imagine, obviously, I should be in security. Massive, intimidating man that I am. Uh, from there, I transitioned then into the business office, um, which seemed to be kind of a better fit. And uh, so while I was there, I met the uh, Squires family, who are actually sitting right there. Hi. Um, and if it weren't for Marion and Richard, um, I would have never been introduced to Tim, who then introduced me to Seacoast. Now, I absolutely love it here. I'm so glad to be serving here, and so I'm thankful for that job and how God kind of weaved all that together to get me where I am today. Now, while I was working at Waccamaw, uh, my father, who had been here a few years before me, started his own business. And he's a kitchen designer by trade, been doing it his whole life. And he was doing so well that what ended up happening was the business actually became known as the place that was closed all the time because he was literally gone all the time. No one was there to run the office, one-man show. And so the way my schedule worked, I didn't have to go into work till 2.30. So I said, well, hey, Dad, he works right down the street from the hospital. So I said, well, I'll come in a few hours early. Uh, I'll keep the doors open, answer the phone, stuff like that. Well, what ended up happening was is that it kind of made sense for me to join him, you know, full time. I mean, the, the business kind of could support that. And so uh, I said, well, let's do this thing. So two years ago in July, uh, I came to work for my dad full time. That was one problem. I knew absolutely zero about the kitchen business. <laughs> zero, nothing, right? Now, it's kind of embarrassing because my dad's been in the kitchen business for 30 years and I didn't even know the difference between plywood and furniture board, but I figured it out. So the plan was, is I would watch him interact with clients, right? That was the first thing I had to do is, okay, I need to learn how to navigate these conversations, learn to value what he values, uh, learn to place priority on the same things that he placed priority on, right? So that way, in essence, um, I could represent his business well, right? Now, uh, over time, I'm now able to have conversations and talk intelligently about the kitchen business with clients. And the interesting thing is this, when they talk with me, essentially, it's like talking to my father, right? 
Because if I value the same things that he values, I have the same priorities that he has, um, I have the same mission and goal for the business, essentially, I am an extension of my father. It's kind of sounding familiar. If you were to see me, you were to see my father. Now, why do I mention that? Well, this morning, we're going to see in scripture uh, how Jesus is going to say just that. He's going to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Now, the way that I kind of arrived at this particular portion of Scripture was a few months ago, Tim, he said, well, you guys, it's kind of dealer's choice. You can preach on whatever you want. And uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a few months ago. Uh, we were having coffee, and he was, he's not a believer, and he was asking about uh, just kind of the ins and outs of the gospel, how it works, things like that. And he asked this profound question that is so very simple, but yet the answer will shape your entire life. And this is what it was. So what is God like? That was the question. What's God like? And I realized the the answer to that shapes everything, right? What you believe about God, the guy who created all this, shapes how you make change and make decisions in your life. So I sat back for a moment, really thought about it. It's kind of one of those moments where you realize, like, God needs you to say something important here as far as this conversation. And, uh, And I said, well... Jesus. You see, if you look at Jesus, then you know what the Father's like, right? Jesus is the representation of God's heart for his people. And so as Tim gave us this opportunity, I said, okay, I'm definitely going to be preaching on this because it has changed, even though it's so basic, it changed the way I've understood the life and ministry of Jesus over the last couple of months. Now, we're going to, uh, we're going to pray, but uh, the verse this morning is Matthew 11, 25 through 30. So you can go ahead and get there now. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, it's a massive chunk of scripture. Okay? So we're going to read it together. It's going to be on the screen. Just try to hang in there with me. Read the whole thing with me, and uh, we'll get through it, okay? Let's pray. Thing with me, and uh, we'll get through it, okay? Father God, I ask that your presence be here this morning. Uh, Lord, I ask that you give me the gift of teaching, uh, that you prepare hearts to be able to see your word. Lord, I pray that you... Uh, change lives today. Do something special that only you can do that makes it so obvious that it's about you. And just bless your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. So dial in here, read along, and uh, we'll get through it. Here we go. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Now watch this. And those to whom the Son chooses the Father except the Son. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. Oh, wrong part. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden, or my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. That's God's word. Now, before we go any further, there's a couple things we need to understand. Whenever you approach any text in scripture, the most important things you need to understand is context. Context. Who's he talking to? Who's listening in this moment? Because who's listening and who Jesus is trying to relay this information to uh, will shape how you understand the application of this scripture, right? So who's there? Well, uh, we've got Jews. We've got sick people. 
We've got hyper-religious Pharisees. We've got disciples of John. We've got disciples of Jesus. We have curious people. We have angry people, right? So there's a massive cross-section of people. Uh, It's like if you went to Black Friday at Walmart, right? Now, just add in a bunch of old Jewish guys debating theology and leprosy. That's what it was like hanging out with Jesus, okay? Hanging out with Jesus was crazy town, all right? Uh, Now, the interesting thing is this, is that he closes out this section of scripture with, come to me and you'll find rest. But from the outside, if you look at what's going on, hanging out with Jesus is anything but restful, right? I mean, people are arguing, there's sick people, there's probably people dragging animals with them and goats and stuff. I mean, people are just following him around everywhere. It is madness to hang out with Jesus. So it begs the question, well, what's this rest he's talking about, right? So just by a show of hands, who here knows who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is? Not bad, not bad. I like that. A couple of nerds out there like me. Good stuff. Uh, I don't have to. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know who he is, um, he is an early 20th century theologian. I don't have time to really explain the magnitude of who this man was, um, but I began to read a biography about him a few months ago. And a theologian is simply a guy who studies the Bible and tries to understand what God values and how it relates to us. That's the best way I can describe it, right? And so one of the things he came up with was this question, and it was revolutionary for the time, okay? And the question was this, what is the will of God for me today? Now, that may sound very simple, but considering the time period, a very, very traditional um, Lutheran backdrop, for him to say that God actually speaks in his word for you today was revolutionary. Now, that is what I want to ask you this morning. As we read God's word together and we work through this, I want you to ask that question of God right now, okay? Get it in your mind. What is the will of God for me today? Because God has something to say to you. Now, let's go in this verse by verse. It's going to be exciting. Everybody excited? Let's get jacked up. All right, here we go. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. First thing we need to understand, this entire section of scripture is a prayer. He begins to talk to God. In the midst of the crazy, all these people are around, there's stuff going on everywhere. He goes, you know, I feel like now's a good time to pray. And then just begins to talk to God. Okay, so first thing to understand, prayer. Second thing, uh, when Jesus sets up children at the opposite side of wise and learned people, he's not calling them stupid. Okay? Jesus isn't going before the Lord and saying, thank you for revealing these important truth things to really dumb people. That's not the point. What I mean is, or what he means is, children uh, is basically set up as a heart uh, position towards God. I'll give you an example. My son, Dougie, okay? He is 15 months old. Whatever's going on in his life, however upset he is, he needs peace, he needs something to... uh, he needs something from me, right? If he needs water, he comes to me. If he needs social interaction, he comes to me. If, you know, he needs food, he comes to me. If he needs a diaper change, he goes to mom. There are all those things that he needs that he knows, you know what? I can't get the remedy to what ails me in myself, right? So he knows that he has to depend on me for the answer, right? So the idea here is Jesus is setting up the little children in this position as those that depend on God for the answer. They don't even have the answer. 
Like, my son may be hungry, but he doesn't necessarily know, oh, yes, my stomach is empty and it needs to be filled with food. He just knows, problem, dad, help, right? That's the idea here is that Jesus has revealed something to people that are dependent upon God for the answer. Does that make sense? Right. So your first fill-in is this. Dependence leads to truth. Dependence leads to truth. Because the idea that these people are depending on God for the answer, he then says something is revealed to them, right? Let's continue on, verse 25. Or no, verse 26. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. It was a great joy for God to bring salvation to his people. Some of you in this room this morning just need to hear that that God had great joy in sending his son Jesus to die and make a way for you. That alone, maybe, I could just stop right there. I think I'm going to. No, I'm not. I got more to say. But seriously, think about that for a moment, that it was God's great joy to make a way for you. Now let's continue on in verse 26, or rather verse 27. Uh, We're going to kind of come back to this, but I just want to grab one piece for you guys to hold on to, okay? Um, He says, No one knows the Father except the Son and whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Okay, so the only thing we need to grab in this moment is Jesus reveals the Father. All right, so just hang on to that. Throw it in the memory banks. All right. Now, as you move in and continue into verse 28, this is where the transition happens, okay? If you watch, this is where the the prayer changes subject. He then says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, oftentimes when we're in prayer and we're going to God and we're connecting with him, we're pouring our heart out, he'll actually then begin to lead us back to people. We begin with our eyes on God and then he'll set our eyes back on people. You see, not only is this the transition point in the prayer, but now something's happening here. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Well, that term rest in the Greek is the word anapausis. Say it with me, class. Anapausis. Man, I love when y'all make me look good. It's fantastic. Um, Okay, so anapausis, that word literally means to cease moving. To cease moving. Jesus is saying, okay, guys, come to me, and you can stop moving now. Carries this idea that there's, there's this state of being apart from Jesus that you're just moving all the time that you're struggling and you're wrestling and and your hands and feet are just moving all the time, trying to do something. And Jesus comes and says, come to me. And you can stop moving. You see, I think our second point is this. Jesus brings rest. Jesus brings rest. That the remedy to what ails you, that, that, that feeling you have within you, that wrestling, that struggle, that whatever it is that you have, Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest. Now, I believe there's two groups of people here this morning, mostly because it fits really well with my sermon, but there's two groups of people here this morning, okay? First one, uh, those that don't necessarily follow Jesus that need rest. And then the second group are those that follow Jesus and need rest. See, the reality is they both need rest, but in different ways. So to the first group, I would say to you this morning, you may feel like you're wrestling with God in this moment. 
Uh, you may feel that through the worship and the prayer and, and just being in this building, you feel like you and God are battling, right? Um, that maybe life's been really hard for you, right? Maybe sin's been perpetrated against you. You've committed sins on other people. There's, maybe there's just this massive thing that you're wrestling with God with. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God is not here to wrestle with you. God came to wrestle for you. That's the message. The message of Jesus is, you can stop moving now. I'll wrestle for you. And some of you, if you're not a believer this morning, that's where you find rest, that Jesus came to wrestle. And like the little children I spoke of earlier that know that that dependence on God, the answer comes from him, that answer is free to you if you accept Jesus. Now, I'll let you pause for a moment and stew in that because that's the reality that Jesus came to wrestle for you. Now, to the second group, if you're a believer this morning, this next verse is actually for you, okay? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the first verse is, come to me if you're burdened and you'll find rest. Second verse has an action to it. Now you take that yoke upon you, but he also says, you'll still find rest. You see, yoke denotes purpose, right? To an ox, if you look at an, if an ox looks at a yoke, when that thing goes around its neck, it knows I have a job to do, that there's some sort of action, there's some sort of purpose involved in this yoke that I take upon me. It's kind of like this picture I get where uh, when you commit to Jesus, he says, okay, uh, he puts his arm around you and he says, okay, we're gonna do this together, all right? Watch me do what I do and we're gonna do this thing. That the movement, uh, the, the idea of Christianity is this movement with Jesus, this action to do something. So what is that something? What, what, are, what are we doing? Well, he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. When you break down those words and you look at what it's actually trying to say in the Greek, it actually is trust in the Lord's goodness and not rise from the ground. Gentle and humble is to trust in the Lord's goodness and to not rise from the ground. It's like literally saying, submitting to God, submitting to the will of God, and not doing things your own way. That's what Jesus is saying. Learn from me. Submit to God, and stop doing things your own way. I'll share a story with you. Uh, two years ago, um, I tried, tried, uh, to ch- plant a church down in Merle's Inlet, all right? Uh, I just felt the calling from the Lord. I wanted to preach God's word. I couldn't find an opportunity to do it. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to preach to anybody. I don't care. Now, granted, everybody at the church had my last name, but I don't care. I was doing it, you know? I was preaching God's word. I didn't care who it was, cousins, aunts, whatever. It was happening, all right? We were doing this thing. Um, And then during that time period, that's when I met Tim, and um, I ended up shutting it down and just coming to be a part of the Seacoast family here. Well, the idea or the dream of wanting to church plant never really went away. And so Tim was developing me and he was working with me and and still is. And um, if you don't know anything about what it's like to have a massive, almost impossible goal in front of you in your mid-20s, is that it creates this uh, chasm right in the middle of your chest, right? And that chasm is filled with depression, anxiety, frustration, discontentment, disillusionment, It is a terrible place to be because what happens is is you spend your entire headspace and your entire heart space like two years ahead of the present. And what ends up happening is that you become useless in the present to everybody around you 
And that's what I was. I was useless to my family. I was useless at my job because I just needed to get to ministry. I just had to get there. I just have to get there. How can I get there? How can I spend more brain power trying to navigate my way into church planning? Well, a few months ago, back in, I think it was February, um, Pastor Tim says there's this church planning intensive in Virginia Beach. And uh, it was called Discovery. And the big idea was you go there and they help you discover whether or not you should or should not be church planning. Now, when I'm going in that, I'm going, well, man, I'm, they're probably going to just let me leave early and just give me a team, you know? I'll just take off, you know? Like, clearly, I'm full of charisma. I could do this thing, whatever, you know? So I show up, right? And literally, the first hour of the first day, the first exercise we did, God changed the direction of my life forever in the first hour. So here's what happened. The exercise was very simple. You read Proverbs 3. Okay? And the idea was, you read through it, highlight some stuff, you pray. You read through it again, highlight some stuff again, you pray. You do that three or four times. By the time I got done with it, I looked and I had only highlighted one thing. And it was, be filled with love and faithfulness. Bind it around your neck. And I began to think about it and, and God just started speaking to me and going, you know all that discontentment and disillusionment and frustration you have? and relative usefulness, uselessness, that'll go away if you do this. If you be a man who's faithful and who is filled with love, you will not have this anymore. And a few days go by after the whole church planning intensive, and I realize I am not called to be a church planner. But what I am called to is to be faithful to God and to love people. And that is useful in the present today. And that changed the course of my life because now I wasn't trying to live two years ahead. I was living for right now. That I could love people right now. That I could be in ministry right now. And to be honest with you, which is totally a testament to God, um, since that day, that church planning conference, um, I have not once struggled with depression, anxiety, or frustration about what God is doing in my life ever again. Carrying the faithfulness and love of Jesus right here. I gotta find my place again. I'm all excited. <laughs> uh, right, here we go. Third point is this rest comes by obedience. You listen to the Lord, and He will provide rest. Now, let's go back to verse 27. All things have been committed to be by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Big idea here is Jesus sets up this whole prayer, right? The whole beginning of this prayer is set up as Jesus calling out his identity. He's saying, I'm the one that reveals the Father. That's a very, very big deal. You see, there's a bigger story going on here. All throughout the ministry of Jesus, whenever he did something, the underlying tone was identity. Identity, identity, identity. Who am I? When he shows up walking on water, he's showing, I'm the guy that tells physics what to do. When he shows up and calms the storm, he's, I'm the guy who tells nature what to do. When he kicks in the doors of the temple and kicks everybody out and tells everybody how things should be run, he's the guy who has the authority to do that. That's his identity. And so this morning, he's identifying himself as the revealer of the Father. And so, essentially, his identity is what got him killed, right? His identity is what gave him the authority to do what he did. 
His identity is God the Son. His identity is the worthy lamb. His identity is king. His identity is our savior. He came to identify himself as the savior of the world. You see, if we want to know what God's like, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus to find out the heart of God. Well, what did his ministry look like? Well, he prayed for the sick. He fed the hungry. He spoke the truth in love. He set people free. He came to serve, not to be served. Ultimately, he submitted himself to torture and death at the hands of the people he came to save. What is all this? This, my friends, is love. True, sacrificial love for people. If you want to know what the heart of God is, he sacrificially loves his kids, you and I. So what does it mean to be like Jesus, to learn from him? Submit to God and love people. See, you come to Jesus to find rest. See, you may be scared to submit to the will of God in your life this morning. Uh, you maybe feel like you're wrestling or you see God as like this moral taskmaster or a cold and rigid father. But what we see in Jesus is a father who loves his kids and then calls us into the action of loving others. If you're not a believer this morning, my request to you is that you would start that journey of love by loving him, by loving Jesus. And if you do that, you'll find rest. Now, secondly, if you are a believer this morning, I would ask that you excel at loving others. Excel at loving others. Ask the Lord, what is your will for me today? How can I love my spouse better? How can I love my children better? How can I love my boss better? How can I love myself better? You see, if Jesus is the truth about God, and Jesus then reveals that truth within himself, that makes him the way to God. And if he's the truth about God, and he's also the way to God, and you take those, those upon you, then he becomes the life. I don't know if this is sounding familiar to you. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And you can't get to the Father without him. So I would ask this morning that you would excel in love and find your rest, find your peace, find your hope in Jesus. And he will bring that rest for you. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.